Well, we're in the middle of the series in the book of Ephesians in which the Apostle Paul tells us what it means to know Christ and what God has done for us. And then he speaks to us about now how we're supposed to live that out. And there's no better time to reflect upon that than right after finishing a, a season of Thanksgiving and looking forward to celebrate uh, the, the return or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. There is uh, one theologian who put it this way when he tried to describe the Christian life. He said, the Christian life is not difficult, it's impossible. And if you've ever read the New Testament carefully, and all you have to do is read one section, the Sermon on the Mount, you realize how impossible it is. And if you want to check out Paul's assessment of his own struggle, you'll read Romans chapter 7. He says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do that I shouldn't do, I, I can't get away from them. And he's just struggling with that. And he's looking for an answer, and he says, who's going to deliver me from this, this struggle, this, this power of death that seems to reign in my, in my life and in terms of falling after sin? And then he discovered that, but thanks be to God who gives us the, the incomparable gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and so as we look at it this morning, we're going to be looking at what it really means to live out that which God has placed in. And, and that's so important because sometimes people look at the Christian life and they're, and they're looking for more of God. You have all of God that you need. In fact, you can't get any more of God than you have if you have become a true follower of Jesus Christ. You have it. I have it. The, matter, the, 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 the challenge is living it out. And so the title of the message this morning, morning is Filler Up, Understanding the Spirit-Filled Life. Now, having already preached this once and not got through it and not planning to go back again to it next week... Um, I have that temptation again as far as how fast do I speak so, uh, and what things I leave in and what things I take out. So I'm, I'm praying that the Lord will keep the things in that are most crucial for us to, to wrestle with and, uh, and, and get to really understand and apply in our lives. But before we do that, I, I did have some people come, in fact, some of the people in this service come to me and ask me, well, what happened to you? And I go, what do you mean, what happened to me? You know, and then um, after they said it four or five times, I guess they saw some things on my face that illustrate that maybe something happened to me at this Thanksgiving season. Well, on Thanksgiving morning, uh, I was out with some friends, and particularly I was out with Brandon, and we were doing some um, competition right before we decided to you know, go home and then have our Thanksgiving meals. And so we were playing a really, really mature game of tag. Have you ever played tag? Okay. So we, we were playing tag, and it just happened to be that we were play, playing tag on cement. And the cement had a little bit of an elevation like this. And it was a very simple game. Uh, again, uh, this sounds very adult-like, but you were playing tag with noodles. Those are things you put in pools, you know, and sometimes you float on them. Have you ever seen noodles, you know, floating noodles? Now, we didn't take the, the larger size. We kind of cut them in half. And the game was started this way. You'd have two people against the, or one person against another person, and you'd play rock, paper, scissors, another really adult game, all right, where you go like this, and then you, if you've never played, I'll teach you afterwards, all right? So if you have a, a rock, we'll, we'll bash in scissors, and a paper will cover rock, and then whoever won would grab the noodle and then hit the other person, all right, you, and tag. So I won the first one, and then I ran real fast and tagged Brandon. He was kind of surprised how quickly I got him. And so then we did rock, paper, scissors, and he won. And so I took off, and he was surprised how hard it was for to, to get me. So then the third round went, and I grabbed it. And so he took off a little bit more aggressively than this last time. And so I went after him really hard. 
and I was leaning to get him, and this is where the first mistake came in. So I was getting close to him, and I decided I had to extend myself, so I extended myself as far as I could this way with noodle in hand. Well, you must get this part of the story correctly because I did succeed. I did tag him, all right? But in tagging him, getting all my weight going forward on an incline on a cement slab, it was basically in a in a shopping mall before the cars came in, so we were on those, and it was kind of elevated like this. But as I extended myself and finally got him, I noticed that my weight was a little bit more forward than I had anticipated. And so with one hand forward and the other hand back, and on one foot, I realized I was going to have a difficulty changing my momentum. In fact, I did not succeed at that. And so as I began to descent into a a slab of cement that's elevated closer to my face, I realized I'm not going to be able to successfully get my hands out. So then I did as best job I could, and so I, I stuck out my chest as much as I could. Well, that happened, and I landed first on my chest, but then my head decided, now what, what should I do now? <laughs> and so my, my head decided, that I don't have too many options, so what it did is it slammed itself on the cement. And then after my chin hit the cement, my nose decided, now what should I do? And so I decided to get in on the activity and landed on the cement as well. So uh, Thanksgiving morning was, was not only, uh, I just want to let you know I won the game. But anyway, be, beyond that is uh, I had to spend some time in ER and get my, my chin glued up and, and my face rearranged as much as possible and take the blood out. So, uh, but I'm well. I, I'm not sure if I'm sane, but I'm still well, didn't lose too many brain cells. Uh, but, you know, life is like that, isn't it? You know, things happen. Now, so, some, maybe it doesn't happen like that for you, but it happens for me all the time. And, and, and life is, is made up of a series of decisions. And some of those decisions uh, you, you don't anticipate beforehand. You think, I, I had no sense of trying to be overextended on a cement slab and try to hit somebody with a wet noodle and, and then lose my balance and land on my chin. Uh, and if I did, if I had thought out beforehand, then I probably wouldn't have done it, all right? Uh, but there are some things in, ha- in life you're just not going to be able to anticipate. And I want you to understand that, too. Part of the Christian life is you're going to experience things in which you will have pain. There will be things you will experience that are be- beyond your ability to control. You thought, maybe you think, I could have controlled that. It's possible after, you know, if I decide not to play like I played. But some things, no matter what you do, you can't control but there are some things in your life you can control. And, and that's what the Apostle Paul had to come to grips with as he was trying to live out this life, which is not just difficult but impossible. And that is he realized that he needed to rely not on his own strengths, and he had many of them, but he had to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit who lived within him. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to race through some a truth about the Holy Spirit. This could be a, a long series, but we're going to make it a one-shot, um, hopefully helpful explanation of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is something God tells us that we desperately need to do uh, on a moment-by-moment basis. This is the context of Paul saying, you need to walk a walk of wisdom. So then, Walk not as unwise, but, uh, but, uh, but so then you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is something God wants us to do. And what is it? Verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or is a waste, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is in the command form, the imperative tense in the Greek language, is that we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you could put it as clearly and as plainly as this. If at any moment a follower of Jesus Christ is not filled with the Holy Spirit, they are living in disobedience to God. Because this is a command. When we're not filled with the Spirit, this is far from God's will for our life. And often we pray for God to reveal His will to us. God has revealed His will to us in this particular clear setting is that His will is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So assuming, for those of you who are followers of Christ, and if you're not a follower of Christ, we invite you to investigate the claims of Christ, and maybe even after this morning you'll, you'll say, yes, I want this life that only God can give, which is a life in Christ, filled by the Spirit, to experience the fullness of what life is supposed to be all about, God's abundant life, and living a life of purpose and meaning. But for that to happen, for the Christ follower, it requires us to be filled with the Spirit. And, and let me just say this. This is a challenge for all of us. It, it's, it seems to be elusive. And it seems to be sometimes reserved for the, the more holier than thou. I mean, some people seem to just kind of get it, and the rest of us are still struggling. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And, and I want to submit to this to you, you just at the beginning. It is a, it is a discipline to be filled with the Spirit. It is a matter of, of training you, yourself to, to choose to depend upon God and not yourself. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I have somewhat of an independent spirit. I kind of, something comes up and I want to do it right then. And sometimes I don't think about it before I do it. And it happened just last Thursday, all right? It, is that sometimes we need to think before we do something. And even more so, some things, it's all right. It happens just because it happens. But what we don't want to leave to chance is consciously asking God to fill us to make an impact in our lives through His Spirit. Okay, so with that, I want to talk about what it is not, what it does not mean to be filled with God's Spirit, and then I want to talk about what it is. And here's where we need to go a little bit faster than I did this morning. Not necessarily speaking, but not as much detail. First of all, what it isn't, it isn't what you would call the indwelling of the Spirit. We, we just sang a, a song, uh, as far as Jesus being Emmanuel, which translated means God what? With us. And the, and the great truth of the gospel is that not only is God with us, but he's, he's in us. And if you do the sermon-based Bible study this week, you'll see some passages, additional passages that teach that. You know, Jesus said, it's going to be better for you that I take off. Why? Because he was going to send the Spirit who would become in us. And in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is, is our guarantee that God dwells within. And so God is, uh, in fact, in Romans 8, 9, it says you can't be a follower of Christ unless the Spirit of God dwells within you. So it's not the indwelling of the Spirit. We get all of God at the moment of salvation. Secondly, it isn't the baptism of the Spirit. We just had three baptisms. And baptism at least the illustration of it in the scripture, it comes from a word, baptizo, to means to dip or immerse. And, and the symbol there was that your old life would be dead. If you put someone underneath the water for any length of time, they'd stop breathing, okay? And if you bring them up in time, then they have, still have life in them. But spiritually what happens, when you become a Christian, 
At that point, you say, okay, I, I don't want to live my old life. I, I don't want to do my own, own thing. I give it up. I put to death my old life, and then I receive new life in Christ. And so we had three fall the, the, the Lord in the waters of baptism by, by using the water baptism, which means to dip under and come out, um, in comparison to what, uh, what happens with the Spirit. The Spirit of God does that automatically for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, it says, For by one Spirit we are baptized into the body of Christ. In many ways, if you take the illustration further, in Matthew 3, 11, when Jesus got baptized, he said to John the Baptist, uh, I mean, John the Baptist, uh, conversation there was that, that John had the baptism of repentance, that they would turn from their sin, but Jesus was the one who was coming in which he would baptize by the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so the Jesus immerses us in the Spirit of God when we become his child. Okay, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Third, so it isn't the indwelling, it isn't the baptism, it isn't the gifts of the Spirit. Some people will teach that you know that you have the Spirit of God if you can speak in a certain language that is um, unknown or a certain prayer language. Well, it has nothing to do with any gifts a person has or does not have. Number one, not everyone has the same gift, so it can't be tied to a particular gift. And can you use your gift without being empowered by the Spirit or leaning upon Him? Of course you can. You, you can help somebody. That One of the gifts is the gift of helps. Can you help somebody with a bad attitude? Yeah, I do that all the time when Alice asks me to do the dishes. All right, I'll do the dishes, you know, and I'm washing the dishes. Okay, I'm doing something to help her, but I'm not doing an attitude that would be one that, that would <laughs> encourage her and please her, right? So doing something for someone doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing it by the power of the Spirit. So then what is being filled with the Spirit? And again, we are called to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's again look at the passage, verse 18. And we'll see the, the word pictures given to us so that we might understand it. The Bible is given for us, not to confuse us, but to help us understand it. And here's what it says. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or is a waste, but be filled with the Spirit. So we have a contrast here. Being filled with Spirit and being filled with what? Wine. Now, I have on the back table here a variety of object lessons that I'm going to use to illustrate being filled with spirit. I, I could have put one other, well, I could have put a number of other op, uh, object lessons there, but one of the things I could have done is I could have put a bunch of hard liquor up here, all right? Now, um, I was afraid some of you might come up and drink it, so I didn't do that. So if I put some hard liquor up here and I start guzzling it, all right? Now, if I start drinking a, a significant amount of hard liquor and then I said, does anybody want me to take them home? Okay, anybody want? Would anybody volunteer? Okay, why? Because if I got underneath the wheel after consuming a large amount of hard alcohol, I would, and someone pulled me over and tested me, they would they would be able to discern that I was drinking under the influence. All right, see that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Is I want to live my life under the influence of the Spirit. I want to. And another word you could use there was, I want to live life under the control of the Spirit. Because when someone has a lot of alcohol in their body, it affects their speech, doesn't it? They don't talk the same way. It affects their ability to, to walk, doesn't it? I mean, they, they can't walk a straight line. You know, it, it affects their actions, doesn't it? You know, some people, they, particularly people who are, are drunk, some people are mean drunk, some people are 
are giddy. Uh, all of a sudden, their personality changes. Why? Because they're under the influence of an outside substance that has now become an inside substance. The alcohol was on the table. Now it's in the body. Now, what God is saying to us is that you have the Spirit of God living within you. I want you to live under, its, under His influence. Now, to live under His influence is simply a choice. Just like it takes a choice for someone, unless someone forced alcohol down your throat. It was a choice to drink that much alcohol. And it's a choice to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. But are there some other word pictures for that? Uh, and the answer is yes. One, and I'll, let me say these briefly. I didn't say in the first service. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about our options in life to walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit. Now, walking according to the flesh is what we all just do naturally. When uh, I um, am filled with uh, anger, unrighteous anger, you know, that was my flesh working out. That was just my natural self taking control and being filled with rage. In fact, the Bible uses in various places in the New Testament the word, same word here for filling with other emotions. Like, for instance, in Luke chapter 5, verse 26, a person could be filled with fear. And when a person is filled with fear, under, under the control of fear, that emotion governs everything they do, doesn't it? I, I'm so afraid I'm, I can't move. Or I'm so afraid I've I got to run. And that emotion controls that person's actions. Uh, Luke 6, 11, a person's filled with anger, which we just referred to. Acts chapter 6, verse 5, a person's filled with faith. Acts 5, 3, a person can even be filled under the control of the evil one. And in Acts 13, verses 34 and 35, a person can be controlled by envy. And so as we think about the options of life, we can live according to the flesh and just our natural desires take control. Okay? Or we can take and decide to walk by the Spirit, which is allowing the Spirit of God to influence us. Now, what is true about walking? If you're walking, walking requires you taking a what at a time? Step at a time. Okay. So, as we desire to be filled with the Spirit, it's saying, as I go through life, as I take steps in life, as I go down life's path, I want to, each step of the way, moment by moment, do it with conscious awareness of the Spirit of God living in me and now influencing me as I go through life. Now, obviously, we can't be praying that prayer every single moment of the day. I mean, we, you know, we've got other things that are going on in life. But what we want to do is surrender at a point in time and say, God, uh, I, I want the Spirit to control me as I'm now driving to my destination. And you get to the destination, now the Spirit of God, I want you to control me as I do my work. Or I'm in a conversation now. So as you go through life, periodically, as you take steps in life, you want to consciously surrender control of the Spirit so you rely upon Him and not just yourself. And that gives you the analogy, each step, walk by, you know, step by step, I want to be under His influence. Another way to look at it is something that, again, we all do, uh, we all breathe, right? And it's the idea of, we exhale and we inhale. And part of the analogy there is when we think about living moment by moment in the Spirit of God, we, we inhale in terms, God, I want you to be controlling me by your Spirit. We take in good air. And then when, things, when we do something wrong, we exhale it, which would be sin. We do things that dishonor God. We say, I don't want to hold on to that attitude. 
I don't want to be involved in that activity anymore. And so we say, God, I want to run from sin, and I want to run to the Spirit. I want to breathe the Spirit in, and I want to exhale out that which is wrong and harmful to you. Does that make sense? Again, what I'm trying to do is just simply paint a picture. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It's like walking step by step. It's like breathing. It's like being under the influence, not by alcohol, but by the Spirit of God. What's another way to look at it? Well, another way to look at it, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, um, it talks about that we receive the Spirit of God's words by the Spirit of God moving in the hearts of His prophets and apostles to write down uh, what God wanted them to record for us in terms of God's truth. And it uses the analogy of being moved by... These, peop- these men were moved along by the Holy Spirit. And the idea... And I took this off my son's desk that, this morning. And what you have here... You have a vessel here. You have a boat, a ship. And you know, in our day, we have a lot of ships that are propelled by, by propellers, you know, motors coming out here. But this one is propelled by what? by sails. And the sails are, as other people already mentioned, are, are influenced when the wind catches the sail. And so as we think about being filled with the Spirit, it's like looking at our lives and seeing that we need our sails in our lives filled up with the Spirit that would move us along. I want to be moved by the influence of the Spirit of God in my life. I want to go His direction. Now, of course, you could have a, you could have a great ship with great sails, but if you took the sails down, what would happen? The wind would continue to blow, but it wouldn't move the ship because consciously those on the ship said, I don't want to go that way and take the sails off. So are we moved by the Spirit of God? I mean, you had that popular film, uh, that song by Beth Midler, I think it was, uh, uh, the, the, uh, The Wind Beneath My Wings, okay? Well, it's interesting that the word for spirit in the Greek language really comes from the idea of wind. And so he's the one who moves us. He is a person. He is fully God. But he is the one who moves us. And we decide whether we extend our wings for him to catch it or we take them in. The wind is always there. But are we allowing the wind to move us, catch our sails? Another way to look at it is, and most of us, when we think of this, at least, at least I used to always think of it this way, and there's nothing wrong totally about it, but is that be filled with the Spirit. So I'm thinking about a cup, and I think about putting water in it. Now, any analogy that we would use to illustrate being moved or led or guided by the Spirit could break down, but part of the problem with a cup analogy is that we always have the water. Now, you can use this in one way by saying, okay, you have the water... And the cup would represent our bodies or our lives. It is, we're already, the, the water indwells or is in the cup. And the filling is when we allow the water to continue to be poured in. And once I stop pouring it in, then I'm no longer being continually. And this idea of being filled with the Spirit is in the present tense. So it means it's an ongoing thing. You can stop at any time and you can start, start at any time. And I won't use this illustration on the carpet today, but if I were to pour, all, uh, pour, continue to pour this water into this cup, what would happen? It would overflow. And that's the idea of the Spirit of God, when He's controlling us, He's influencing us, He fills us up to the point where we are overflowing with Him. 
In John chapter 7, it talks about the rivers of, uh, of life that the Spirit of God does in our lives. And so we want to be filled up to the point where we're overflowing. In fact, someone said the Christian life is all about being filled with the Spirit and then leaking on everybody, you know? See, the, the real thing that God wants us to leak out in front of other people is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I'm not naturally that way. But when I, the more time I spend with the Spirit of God and he, His love continues to pour in my life, it overflows and spells out in others. Now, another way to, to illustrate this, do you guys like illustrations? Or a, okay. <laughs> you don't, I'm just talking to myself. All right, so uh, another way to illustrate as far as being filled with spirit is to, is to take this cup and say, okay, the spirit of God is indwelling this person, okay? But what's not happening is the influence has not consciously been given for the spirit of God to flow through our lives. God is always working our lives, whether we cooperate or not, but we are not experiencing God's fullness until we consciously and faithfully surrender ourselves to him. And, and let me tell you, as I'm saying this, uh, this, is not a, this becomes a discipline. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, some people, I'll, I'll get to this in, in a second, but some people say, well, you know, for me to really do this practically, I need to have some kind of reminder throughout the day. Some people do it by way of their watch. They'll, they'll put an alarm on their watch, or they'll just habitually say, okay, every Every hour or every two hours or three times a day or four times a day, I will stop and say, okay, right now, am I purposely and consciously, depending upon the spirit and surrender, or am I kind of doing my own thing right now? Because we get caught up, don't we? We get caught up in the hecticness or the busyness of the season, and we might be filled with spirit, we might not be, but we don't really know, and so we need to say, okay, I know, I know things are going really fast right now, but I, God, I want to give you control at this moment. And so periodically, you know, we eat three times a day. You could say at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner and before I go to bed or when I get up from the bed or whatever it might be, depending on how long it is between you get up and when you have breakfast, I want to say, God, Holy Spirit, take control of my life. I want to be under your influence. I want you to permeate my life. I want you to move me. Does that make sense? And so it's just like a, I'm going to pray this prayer four times a day. If, if all of us would pray this prayer four times a day, Spirit, control me, it would revolutionize our lives. But here's another thing. So we have the Spirit of God lives within us. Okay, now we, we want to consciously say, Spirit of God, I want you to influence me. And so what I do is say, Spirit of God, influence me. Now what, what is happening? Whatever was placed in there is now influencing everything that's in the cup, isn't it? That which was, which is white is now kind of a putrid yellow green or whatever that is. All right, and if you if anybody has a cold, you can get one of these. This is an airborne. All right, so you know some people say it's, it's about. Remember those old fizzies? Most of us remember those kind of things. You know, if you want to have something like they have these little root beer things and throw them in there and make it sort of taste like root beer or some other flavor, and that's what it is. Saying God, I want I want you to be plopped in there and fizz all over me and make an influence. Another way that you could look at the Spirit of God making a difference in your life, I've got the rest here a little bit, is it's, you know, here we have the salt that's in the salt shaker. It's doing great, but what we need to do constantly do is say, I want to take the salt, the Spirit of God, and I want it to influence who I am. And trust me, before I put this salt on my hand, it didn't, my hand didn't taste like salt. But once I put salt on it, it now tastes like salt. 
And we want to be that which gives the flavor of who Jesus is. You can look at it a number of different ways. Here we have a, a car, and I, I, would, I would encourage you, unless you've, unless you've tried it on your own, don't think if you put your car on tr- cruise control, it'll drive for you. Right? And the Christian life is never run on cruise control. But what we need to do is recognize that he's supposed to get the steering wheel in our, in our lives. Say, God, I want you to control which way I go. And so think of the Spirit of God. You have the steering wheel in my life. Some have put it this way, that we can think of the Spirit of, of God as far as this glove. And this glove really is non-functional until you put something in it. I mean, it can lay there on, you know, on the desk or something like that, but it really does not operate like it's supposed to operate until something is put in it. Now, this would symbolize that my hand or the Spirit of God is in my life and my whole hand is there, but I don't have the fullness of it, so I really can't make it to operate very well. But if I consciously allow my full hand into this glove, then I can now move my fingers and operate as, this, as the hand in my glove allows it to move. And so, God, I want, you, I want you to fill me with your fullness, and I want you to, to make my, my life move as you want it to move. And then one last illustration of this is, is being filled with the Spirit. It's like, it's like being plugged into a power source. And this, this is plugged into electricity. That electricity has the ability to make a difference in this, um, uh, what do you call these things? Power strip. Just kind of had a brain freeze right there. Maybe I lost a few brain cells when I hit my chin. But anyway, this, this power strip, all right? This power strip is fully operable, but it won't work until what? You put it on. And as soon as you put it on, now it's activated. But until you choose to flip the switch... You have all this power from Edison that's not operating because you didn't turn it on. And so as you think about being filled with the Spirit, it's all about recognizing that we need to make a choice to consciously depend... Stay there. (laughs) On Him. But let me just quickly fill in the last um, fill-ins in your outline. What it isn't, we already said, it isn't the indwelling of the Spirit, it isn't the baptism of the Spirit, it isn't the gifts of the Spirit. What it is, it's being moved, it's being controlled, it's being influenced by the Spirit of God. Uh, secondly, and this is, this is part I would have liked to spend much more time, it, it, is, it is being filled with God's Word. If you look in Scripture, you'll find out that being filled with God's Word and being filled with God's Spirit produces the same results. And really, they are to be used together. You cannot be, for any length of time, being filled with the Spirit unless you're filled with God's Word. Because the Spirit uses God's Word to change us. And apart from that, uh, we will not be under His control. We won't, we, we won't want to be under His control, and we won't know what God wants us to do in our lives without the Word of God. Another way to look at it is being uh, filled with the presence of Christ. There's no way to fully, completely understand the Holy Spirit. We know that there, I mean, the, the Trinity. There's one God, within one, the one God, there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They do things distinctly and separately, and they also do things all together. And that's why you, when you read the Scripture, sometimes you go, well, now, who's doing this? Is God the Father doing it now, or is it the, the Spirit doing it now, or is Jesus doing it now? And the answer is yes, okay? The answer is they're all doing it. Some do a little bit more than the other. But in Galatians 2.20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives where? In me. 
And the life I now live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So being filled with the Spirit is being filled with God's Word. It's being filled with the presence of Christ. You notice how the disciples were a lot different when Jesus was around? <laughs> I mean, Peter was dramatically different. When Jesus was there, he was courageous. When Jesus was there, he didn't care who he was speaking to. When Jesus was there, he could, do the, he could walk on water. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, what did he do? He sunk. What did he do when Jesus was there? He wouldn't even talk to a few servant girls. That, he was totally different when Jesus wasn't there. See, when the Spirit of God is in us, and this is true in Peter, as soon as he was filled with God's Spirit, he could talk to the same people who crucified Jesus and present the gospel. So what's the active point? And here is the quick fill in the blanks and and then leave the challenge. What does it take? It it takes continual willful, willful turning from sin, taking those things out of your life that is causing you to go down a different path, and then it's continual willful turning to the Spirit. So that's, that's the spirit-filled life, as simply as I could put it. Turn from your sin and turn to the spirit. And the word of God is that which brings us all into clarity as we know what things to turn to and what things to turn from. So I'll leave, you all, leave us all with this question. Are you filled with the spirit? And it is simple as consciously, prayerfully asking him to take control and being under his influence. Now, I will throw this in for free. The Spirit-filled life, walking with the Spirit, is not only a point in time, but it's progressive. The more you spend with Jesus, the more you'll be more like Jesus. The more you are filled with the Spirit, the more you will uh, mature in your faith. Uh, And and so it only gets better the more time we spend with Him. But the, the humbling thing is, we can, we can be people who have been faithful for Christ for decades, but all it takes is a conscious decision or even a, a neglect of the Spirit of God, and we can become just as fleshly or carnal or disobedient as the newest of Christians. So we need to, no matter how long we've been on this journey, to consciously turn from sin, turn to the Spirit, and all the word of God to direct us and compel us. Let's pray together. Father, we, we recognize that so often we just neglect to acknowledge your presence, to take hold of the power that lives within us, to rely upon the, the strength and the resources that are at our disposal for the Spirit of God. Help us this week to live in dependence upon your spirit who lives within those who know you. And might we do it for your glory and for your honor. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our time together, we invite you to...